It is time to draw a line under the map. We will strive for the denazification of Ukraine. Let me put it to you, Justin. Yes, you If you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. The idea is flying migrants to the web. I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele and welcome to my podcast where each week I still have to ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Thank the Lord these energy regulators are in place. They've shown how tough they are with the energy companies, eh? They've told them they are only allowed to double their prices and that's all until a few weeks later when they might be allowed to double them again. They should regulate other products, such as soft drinks. They'd announce we have capped the price of ginger beer at £4 million per sip. I think by next year, we'll all be owned by EDF and British Gas. We'll have to work on their land and raise their chickens. If we paint and decorate a shareholder's holiday home, maybe they'll give us just enough gas to make some porridge. Centrica will be entitled to marry anybody in your house in return for letting you plug in a one-bar electric fire through January. And then Ofgem will announce a cap of only three sisters to be taken into servitude, although that may rise next April. Eventually, these companies will become so powerful, they will even control energy that we make ourselves. So if you try to keep warm by doing exercise, you'll be charged 20 pence for every star jump. Centrica has promised to help people who are struggling with their bills by giving something back to them. And the amount they're giving is the same amount as the profit that they make in one day. Now, burglars could offer something similar when for one day a year, maybe on your birthday, they'll give you back the toaster that they just robbed off you before coming around the next day and taking it again. Governments of other countries have taken control of the energy companies and they set a price now for heating that means that people have a chance of coping. But that breaks all the rules of economics because you can't interfere with profits like that. For example, BP announced their profits have tripled to £6.9 billion in three months this year. Now, the billionaire owners of the company would have loved to have handed that money back but it's their duty to keep it all so that they don't interfere. It must be torture for them, but luckily they're tough and they've kept it all because they're dedicated to helping out the economy. So the government has to find other ways to see us through this energy crisis, such as telling us how to use less energy. Ministers give advice such as pay your energy bills by cutting out unnecessary items, such as food, or Nadim Zahawi, who said, we should all look at our energy consumption and see if there are any ways that we can cut back. Now, he is an expert on cutting energy costs because he's the politician who has done the heating his stables and claiming £5,800 of taxpayers' money for it. So he could provide excellent advice to people shivering in their flats, such as why not get one of your horses to wear a jumper? Uh, or, or if that fails... When your bill comes in, take it down the town hall and tell the council, pay that for me, will you? The government will soon suggest we should save on lighting by making sure we're always in the daylight. If you start each day in Fiji and then keep going round the world so that it's never night time, 
you won't need any light bulbs, which will save vital pennies. And then the government will blame immigration, saying there are an increasing number of people who have come here from abroad who use up our electricity by looking at things while they're under a lamppost. So we're in safe hands, in the same way that if you were in an inflatable dinghy careering down the rapids, it would be such a comfort to see it was being steered by an angry porcupine. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck, what the fuck is going on? Post office workers were the latest group to go on strike this week. Now, opinion polls have shown that there is a lot of support from the public for the recent strikes, but not everybody agrees with them, especially this woman, who I heard on a phone-in show. I'm sick of it, Jeremy, sick of it. Ah, all these people going on strike, lazing around, not doing a stroke of work. It was on the news. Six hours I was watching it. I had a good mind to change the channel, but the cat was sitting on me and I couldn't find the remote. I tried to go somewhere the other day. Not a single train. I spoke to the man at the ticket office. I said, where are all the trains? He said, this is the ferry terminal. You can't get a train to the Isle of Wight. I said, oh, I suppose the sea is on strike, is it? So we're not allowed to use it. No wonder the price of fish has gone up. I wrote a letter to the council complaining about all the strikes. Now I find out the postman's on strike as well. Well, it's a good job I didn't put a stamp on it or I'd have asked for my money back. And on top of it all, I heard someone on the radio talking about a general strike. So now the army's going on strike as well, is it? Well, what if World War Three breaks out and they're all standing around on their picket lines? I suppose we'll just have to fight it ourselves, will we? Is it any wonder the Russians invaded Ukraine or wherever it is? Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy. Sick of it. Now, in an unexpected turn of events, I find myself in a yurt in Hampshire. Um, it's not always the way, but such is the life of a comet. You don't know. You might be sat at home watching um, uh, old reruns of Top Gear on a channel you didn't know existed, and two hours later, you go, look at me. I'm in an igloo in Greenland. But uh, So Chappie called me and said, why don't you come to this festival today? And I'd, so I'm here now uh, in a year, and it's very beautiful. But it does mean you might hear at some point in this next chat some sort of festivally type noise. Somewhere, I don't know, Taylor Swift might come in and start rehearsing something like that but now that we're that... mate she's she's at my house she's yeah <laughs> oh, right, you know yeah. she hangs outside she hangs outside <laughs> at night sometimes you know walking up and down all forlorn and that got a new song i'd like you to hear nick oh nothing, she's doing a nothing beyond the course, artistic and i let her in and you know anyway yeah. I know she does a lot of she does a lot of carpentry and I think it's while she was practicing the dovetail joint that she started singing the shake it up song but yeah so well, she's thinking the about vo- me apparently yeah <laughs> the voice <laughs> dovetail joint hear. sets her off <laughs> the voice you can hear is that of Mr Nick Revel who this week is going to help us to find out what the fuck is going on and uh, <laughs> are you all right uh, well, God, within the within the bounds of what might be, yes, I'm surprisingly fortunate at the moment. You know, um, good. In-, in that case, there's a, a very, very important political question. I know you follow politics a little bit. Uh, so, are you a, a Rishi supporter or a Liz Truss supporter? Well, 
I'm glad you know me so well as to stop <laughs> that question. You know, uh, some might find that uh, or feel that an insult, but of course, you know me better. You know that I I, I apply critical thinking. <laughs> Uh, and, and an open mind to all these questions. Well, it's a it, very difficult one, it, isn't it? I mean, you know, do you If you go had to for... choose, you've got to choose. Well, Let's say you had a oh, vote, which, of course, we don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think Rishi Sunak does have some kind of connection with the real world. Um, mm. So I would go for him, you know. I mean, Liz Truss, sort of a lagactyl zombie... Uh, talking i mean they're both they're both forced aren't they into talking to this imbecilic electorate of people who get their view of the world from the coronation mugs in their cupboard <laughs> Uh, and you don't need more than that, you know. You need a union jack and yelling, and uh, not and, even and not this even this queen. It, it it Queen Victoria coronation mug. Oh, absolutely, they'd God, no! I wasn't talking about the Elizabeth. One. I'd rather think that Elizabeth is rather too modern for my liking. <laughs> yeah, I was when I was doing the in town show in Huddersfield. I read uh, quite a bit about Harold Wilson's uh, life because he's yeah. very much Huddersfield. And one of the things I found fascinating was that he had a really close relationship with the Queen mm, uh, to I the extent that. that when he found out he had Alzheimer's, he told the Queen before he told his own wife. He sort of oh, felt really. And I think there's something quite weird about that, isn't there? That they it was almost you know I'm not. The hugest fan of the Queen, but I think there's almost something quite. Maybe she thought, oh, at least I can talk to this bloke yeah. other than those other twats. And I wonder if there's sort of a bit. I don't know. But she must think Johnson. Oh, for fuck's sake! I've been Queen all these years. Yeah. Left with this cunt. Yeah, and now and now she's going to get somebody worse. Probably. I mean, that's the extraordinary thing. I mean, what what it says about what it's. What it says about the mentality of that tiny sliver of the country who can decide who the next leader is is quite chilling. Actually, it's almost beyond. It's almost beyond humour. You know this 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 sort of plague that haunts the bars in the nineteenth hole at golf clubs and uh, yes. you know, wants to sort of has a worldview based on black and white war movies. Yeah. Is it? Is it? I, I don't think. So Liz Trust doesn't. Liz Trust will just say whatever she she thinks is going to yeah. get her through the next through the next yes. half an hour. Well, sure. um, Johnson did it. Johnson clearly a, a, a clearly mentally ill. <laughs> clearly, yes, yeah. No, no, Maligned no version of at Don Quixote, really, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, if someone presented Johnson with with uh, I, I don't know whoever he spoke to. Uh, he would just think, "What do what do I do to get the most out of out of this?" Yeah. You know, if he'd met Nelson yeah. Mandela, he would have made some awful joke and not had the slightest. Oh, last night I heard the most brilliant Nelson Mandela story. Yeah, so I'll tell you that right. Bloke here, one of the blokes who sets up this festival, told us he used to be the producer of Top Gear, and uh, so he had a sort of slightly he's a lovely man, and he had a sort of you know a certain relationship with Clarkson and what have you. But they went to Cape Town. And he thought, right, if we're going to Cape Town, given that Top Gear has quite a lot of clout internationally, I wonder if I can wangle it that I get to meet Nelson Mandela. So they put in a request. I don't know. You put in, you know, a bit like trying to get tickets for Wimbledon. You put in a request. and Oh, it's come up in the lottery or whatever. <laughs> and by now, Nelson Mandela was 90-odd. And that's pretty much all he did was he just sort of greeted people like that and did diplomatic things like that. But also his memory was going and he was not mm. at his best. 
and they went to meet Nelson Mandela and somebody sort of put you put you sit in a waiting room and wait and Danny Glover was there the actor you know uh, lethal weapon mm-hmm. and all that which didn't surprise me because I know Danny Glover was a really uh, big civil rights activist and very political man and so uh, and then they found out that the next day Neil Armstrong was coming. So the bloke who's telling me this is going, oh, I feel such a fraud. There's Danny Glover, sort of Hollywood actor, civil rights activist. Tomorrow, Neil bloody Armstrong astronaut and me and Jeremy Clarkson. And at least Jeremy Clarkson, I'm just the bloke who's wangled us. felt such a fraud, he said. I felt such a fraud. But we went I'm just in. I'm just a bloke in restaurants. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So he said, we went in there, and I'm all nervous and that, thinking, oh, God, but it's sort of going all right, and Clarkson's behaving himself. And then after about five minutes, Nelson Mandela says to him, so what was it like on the moon? Well, the next guy in, he'll tell you a completely different story. He won't, he won't mention the jade rabbit that speaks Chinese. He won't, he, won't, he won't mention the wimpy they opened. All he did was play golf. Yeah, we, we took a four-wheel drive into the Sea of Tranquility, didn't we, Jezza? Oh, oh. <laughs> Look at this! Next one's this a little beauty with, <laughs> with a sixth of gravity. This little beauty can do naught to sixty in absolutely no time at all. We had Stanley Kubrick filming it all. <laughs> he'll tell you. He'll tell you. You had to wear a spacesuit. Jeremy's from Doncaster. He didn't need no oxygen. Just held me breath. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, shit people on the moon. Spare suits. They're calling me queer. What's the matter with he? Thank you. Thank you, darling. We don't need gravity. We've we, we, we got common sense to keep our feet on the ground. If you, if you put your mind to it, you can sit still anywhere. Aye, bloody exactly. floating up and down like bloody, like bloody stairs up as they were. Bloody southerners going up there to bloody moon. Right, in, in spacecraft. We walk just like my father did, and his father before him. We used to have to walk to moon and back every morning before... Aye, that it. Before, before working it factory did. Uh, they were coal miners. And folk said, you know, there were no coal on moon. I said, aye, because they were good coal miners. They worked hard. Efficient. Well, I mean, we were uh, at uh, at Wumpit there, up at uh, Cotton Wood. We were working there. I mean, we worked so hard, we dug down so deep, we come out on Venus. Well, we yeah. went to Australia for an holiday on the same basis. <laughs> of course, this was before uh, this was before it was discovered. You know, kept quiet about it. Just our street had access to uh, <laughs> to Van Diemen's Land. We called it because uh, my dad had invented horror movies. Uh, in, in the patch between shifts, and uh, it, it got uh, it got uh, it got misspelt, and they thought it was a Dutchman. I hate the Dutch; they're useless at cricket. Tall though, aren't they? Very tall and blonde, a lot of them. That's why we don't go to the moon anymore. We just go to Amsterdam. Anyway, Nelson, did you get all that? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that is, you're quite right. The question is the next day. <laughs> I do love your <clears throat> programme where you're where you're rude about people in Korea and places like that. <laughs> he, probably, yeah, he probably said, "Yeah, what's to, no, I'm sorry, what's it like working with that prick Clarkson?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to, Neil. The first thing I must be careful you don't punch me in the face. I prepared you a sandwich. <laughs> Hope it's enough. <laughs> So, right, now, the next very important subject that we need to find out, that I need to find out what the fuck is going on with it, is that you're, I'm absolutely so impressed with this. So you've been learning Mandarin. Yeah, I have been. How far have you got? So you've told, you've now, you, have you done a joke in Mandarin? I Well, actually, I did. I did. How did you know this? I did one on, on, uh, on Wednesday to Chinese people in a restaurant. Um, <laughs> Do you want me to tell you it? Yes. So we go to this Chinese restaurant, and it's about lunchtime. He, he, he's, he's working with my mate Kurt. He works with my mate Curtis Steigers, and they were doing Ronnie Scott's right. last week. So on the Wednesday lunchtime, right. we, we had a meal, me and uh, Matthew, and a uh, really nice little Chinese restaurant, and uh, <clears throat> there's about six or eight people in. And this woman comes in who is, I don't know, East European or German or something, um, but she was like very loud and like out of something out of a, a Mel Brooks movie. And uh, she said, I don't want to sit here. It is too loud. There was like me and him talking quietly, a guy on his own, four academics and two Chinese people eating. <clears throat> no, it is too loud. And then she started giving him earache over the menu from the moment that she sat down about just just constant earache. Oh, there's no more. This food is terrible. So I said, uh, the food is very good. And so the waiter turned around and thanked me. Anyway, then she got up to leave. I think it was a, she's, she's leaving and um, as she's leaving, I'm kind of annoyed because she was being really, really rude and the whole time. So if you want to say to somebody, don't go or really nice to see you, I'm missing you already, that kind of thing, you say mansor, which means walk slowly. So as she's leaving the restaurant, I say mansor and the, uh, all the Chinese people laugh so there am i wow. you know, showing racial solid you know cultural solidarity and being but now i don't know whether this made it better or worse but i think it still it certainly makes it funnier what i didn't realize until matthew pointed it out she was like, <laughs> so it means literally means walk slowly <laughs> as, as i said it and i i noticed and then matthew noticed she had a she had a tubular crutch so she was actually Oh, walking no. quite slowly. Oh man! Yeah, so but I, that was so not intentional or or. or so you told an, an ableist joke. Your first in, joke in Mandarin, in Mandarin yeah. <laughs> would get you cancelled across <laughs> one fifth of the world's population. <laughs> uh, right. So now, one other thing to ask: What have you right. got coming up that people come and see your hilarious? Uh, um, takes on things, uh, being I, careful uh, not funny to. Funny enough, I've got a couple of live not, gigs. Not to offend um, people. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, exactly. Equal opportunity. <laughs> you see, my, see myself shooting myself in the foot at various places. I'm doing a little gig at the Bill Murray in Islington on Tuesday coming the 30th. Lovely, splendid it's establishment. A, it's an inventive kind of um, 
semi-improv, semi-stand-up show called The Interruption Show, and it's great fun. It's run by my friend Dalia Malek, who's uh, an American of Egyptian extraction, who is doing a master's in trying to create some kind of consistent uh, legal status for migrants and refugees crossing borders, which, of course, is an incredible Sisyphean task, I would have thought. But um, brilliant! That's a brilliant, a brilliant cause. It'll be a brilliant show, and it's a brilliant venue as well. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely little venue. venue. Yeah, and then on yeah, the twenty fourth, twenty fifth of September that weekend, they're doing a version of the Lan Festival in Walthamstow. You know that West Wales Mad West Wales Festival. Um, well, they're doing it in Walthamstow, yes. and it's called the Walthamstow Weekender. Uh, and I know some of the. Com- it's not all comedy. It's it's literature and music and so on. Uh, but I know that, oh, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, Stuart Lee, me, uh, Rich Hall, um, and others. But that's what immediately. That sounds to. absolutely brilliant. I should certainly come up to something like that. I'll be, I'm a big fan of Ball from Stoke. Thank you, thank you very much, Nick. I think we've, uh, I think we we've, we've got a long way towards the completing the project and finding out what the fuck is going on. Thank you so yes, much, I think Mr. So. Nick Rebel. Thank you very much. As you know, we do like to get a range of opinions on this podcast. So here is the master of gently teasing out those opinions, Mike Concrete. Now, with me is Charlie Cowdery, Yorkshire farmer, gets up early in the morning and strangles a pig like a proper man. Good to have you on the show, Charlie. Thank you. Well, there's a lot more to farming these days, uh, Mike. Charlie's uh, Farm has been nominated for Farm of the Year. Aye, for the second year running. (laughs) Must be great to have Brussels off your back, eh? Telling you you've got to provide toys to the cows for their mental health or whatever it is. Well, you you say that, Mike, but uh, funnily enough, it's been proved that contented cows do actually produce more milk. So, you know, we do like to try (laughs) What else do they force you to do? Nick cushions for the hens? (laughs) Uh, Well, well, again, we we do take animal welfare very seriously. And that's one of the things the judges are looking for, that and sustainability, of course. You know what? There's only one way to judge a farm. Sausages! (laughs) I have nine sausages for breakfast. In me tea! Well, uh, well, we do make sausages, and in particular, we're very proud of our vegan sausages. They won Best Vegan Sausage at the Vegan Sausage Awards. Hey, you in- can't make a sausage out of lettuce, Charlie. <laughs> I think vegan food's come a long way since those days, Mike. We make ours with soy protein, salt and pepper. Hey, listen, you don't know your science. What did our ancestors eat? Gazelles! You don't get vegetarian lions chewing on tofu zebra substitute. Yeah, but uh, but human beings aren't descended from lions. Yes, we are. See ya, Charlie. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder Woolworths went bust. Here's Vinnie Jones with some upholstery tips. There are some big announcements about Patreon. Big announcements. In the in the same way that when people do those adverts. Amazing announcements coming up about the carpets that are on sale this Easter. Huge. That huge. First of all, this isn't part of the announcement. A huge thank you to everybody who's already signed up to Patreon and is helping to support this podcast. Without you, we would have no chance of finding out what the fuck is going on. You are literally... 
well, you're not necessarily saving the planet, but if we do save the planet during this inquiry, then you, you will have played a, a huge part. You will have your name on a massive plaque, I would think, somewhere, like at Lords when someone gets 100. So if you wish to join these wonderful people for just £4 a month, then you will get a longer ad-free version of the episode. That would tempt me. In fact, I'd pay £4 a minute in life just to go ad-free throughout the entirety of my life. But um, we don't quite have that power, unfortunately. There will also be extended interviews, uh, which means that the, you know, the interviews that we do, there's all of it, all the bits that you know get cut out for time. And bonus sketches. For example, this week, uh, we've got Fred Truman. We were over to have the head of the BBC, but we've got Fred Truman talking about bias at the BBC. And you get it on Sunday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Monday mornings, um, economics being what it is. So you'll also get the chance to take part in some Ask Me Anything sessions, which I think will be coming up. Oh, I might be going out on a limb here, possibly end of September, start of October. Uh, yeah, also, no, next month, yes, September. And so I sort of sit here and just answer whatever you'd like to absolutely anything, no matter how tawdry, I am honour bound to answer. And you will get discounts off merchandise and live shows because it's all going to be a big professional operation. This is within a year, we're going to be based in Seattle and there's going to be a massive 25 story block. The what the fuck is going on towers. Um, but at that point, you will get, well, even before then, you'll get discounts off merchandise and live shows when we finally get around to, to doing them. Thank you so much to all of those who are already doing that. And we are also introducing a new Patreon option, where for just £2 a month, you will get an ad-free version and you'll get it on Sunday night instead of on a Monday. You won't get the longer version or any of that stuff, but you will get the satisfaction of knowing you're doing your bit and it will be ad-free and it will be on, on Sunday nights. And Sunday nights traditionally... Well, back when I was a kid, Sunday nights, and I still bear the legacy of this, were really the worst part of the week. Always dark and miserable, even in July. Sing something simple. All of that will be ended. Instead of that, you'll have what the fuck is going on to see you through the uh, uh, the, the rest of Sunday, rather than songs of praise or the thing with Harry Seagan. Finally, there is another option as well. Oh, I'm embarrassed to even say this. £10 a month, and for that, I will give you a name check on the podcast when you sign up. I don't know what else you'll get. I'll come, I'll paint your house. I don't know what I'm going to get. There'll, there'll be a, we'll think of some things for the £10 a month one. God knows. I will personally come around and uh, and take you to the, I'll do an opera for you. I'll write an opera with your name in it. I don't know. Um, uh, if you follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on for as little as £2 a month. You can help support this podcast and uh, and all those lovely privileges that um, will make the fact that you're going to spend the winter freezing, hiding under a dead dog so much better. Now, Twitterese, uh, there we are. As, as always, there are announcements. First of all, the In Town series is, is going out now on Radio 4 uh, at 6.30 on Monday or indeed on Sunday in the bit that just a minute goes out on when it's not. They're not going out at the same time. And uh, people go, what sort of confusing programme is this? Uh, but 
Uh, they are going out at the moment or on BBC Sounds, on the BBC Sounds app. So a podcast, in effect, uh, then a longer version of each one is going out. And Tring is going out tonight. Uh, that is assuming you are listening to this on the day that it's going out, which almost certainly you won't be. Also, people have been getting in touch. Oh, by the way, also, uh, there's one recording left to do, which is in uh, Paris. Now, as always, people people that get sort of given the tickets for these, they have to be from the town. So I suppose that pretty much applies to, to Paris. Uh, maybe not quite as strict. But you can, I've sort of put a link on Twitter and stuff, and I'll put it out on uh, whatever else we can put out. So if you're in Paris, you can come, you can come to it, even if you're not in Paris, but you will have to be on, in Paris on the night that it's recorded. On a boat opposite the Notre Dame, and the tickets are free, if you don't come to that and you're in Paris and you are not Emmanuel Macron or that fascist bloke who stood in the election, uh, in which case you probably won't like the programme very much, if you're not either of those two people or in jail, what possible reason have you not? Apart, oh, but oh, wouldn't I feel bad if there was a Euro tunnel train that got stuck this week uh, for five hours? Oh, sod that. Imagine being, I would feel very, very guilty if there was a train packed full of people coming to see it. And then we got there and went, oh, there's, nobody seems to have turned up to this recording. And it was because you were all terrified and, you know, and you'd start imagining things, wouldn't you? You'd start imagining, I can see drips coming through the tunnel and someone would go, I've just seen an octopus just fall from the ceiling. It's caving in. Also, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. So Alex Jones on Patreon asks, now I'm assuming this isn't Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist, who's just been done for about 40 million quid for being too conspiratorial, even for the world of conspiracy theorists in America. If it is, it'd be brilliant if I just sort of gave an answer and then the next thing you were on, like Alex Jones was out in America going, hey, no, listen, there's a guy, right, he's got it. He said, because I've just made up some mad answer. But whichever Alex Jones you are, thank you for sending in the question. And the question is, what the fuck is going on in this time of crisis? Is this the best question they can come up with, Macron friend or foe now because julie hart julia hartley brewer who is a, a friend of this program i think she's sort of um been mentioned on mike concrete a couple of times well macron friend or foe was the question that she uh asked to liz truss in the tory leadership hustings thing and i i now i agree with you alice this is of all the questions as the country descends into some utter abyss in which we're going to be less able to afford basic heating than in the Stone Age, because at least then we were equipped to, I don't know, at least people knew how to make the rudiments of fire. But probably EDF will, will they will own the franchise of making fire out of sticks. So you won't even be able to do that without paying them a sort of sum. So. At that point, the question, ha-ha, Liz Truss, Macron, friend or foe, at which she said, oh, the jury's out, and of course, all the people at the thing went, ha-ha. Now, this is part of the problem with this. To, to, to win this election, even people like Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak are aware of that, the sort of things that you have to say when you're, you've got all these conservative members sat around, 
to win the election is not the same as you can then get away with saying, even if you're that person, once you become prime minister. So, Hitler, friend or foe? Well, the jury's out. That's what you'd have to say in the uh, Tory leadership hustings. But Macron, so she can't say, she can't say, oh, Emmanuel Macron, well, I think as as a president, as elected president of the country that is next door to us, uh, then obviously we have to work with him in defence and economically. And after Brexit, after all, we did say that we would make Europe. But no, the way you win the, uh, is is you go, fucking French faggot twat. That's what he is. But he can fucking stick his fucking baguettes up his ass. If she'd said that, the place would have got mental. Rishi Sunak would have had to just retire and not not even and disappear. That in fact that probably might be what he says next. So you're quite right, Alex Jones. Blue Mountain at MOJD on Twitter says there are 29 people in the credits for this podcast on the Spotify page. Do you need to teach them how to do a podcast? And he is referring to a new podcast by Meghan Markle. Uh, now I, I I don't know what to think about about Meghan Markle. She's probably not someone I would usually end up having a cup of tea with. But of course, it's so hilarious the way she's been treated by the British establishment that she she came over here, got all the excitement. There was all of the all of the people that were at the Sky News and all the people at Windsor the week before she'd married Harry. It's never been so exciting here at Windsor. Even the cats were a special furry, shady, sort of silvery, browny colour. It's a, I've never, it's unbelievable. And everybody here, and there's just people walking past with a bag with a pork pie in it. You could feel the crackle in the air and they loved it and he's getting married. And then about four days after the wedding, because she said, how dare she come over here and marry our prince and not curtsy properly and have the audacity to want to walk into another room without having first been given bloody uh, permission as is protocol by a series of valets and equerries, the fucking arsehole coming over here and ruining our monarchy. Fuck off, Markle. Go on. Fuck That's what you can do. Do you hear me? Fuck off. Good fuck off. So she leaves and they go, where the fuck are you going? So I'm probably a little bit, I, I, I don't know. I think she's quite an interesting person, Meghan Markle. But whether she's interesting enough to do a podcast, she probably is, isn't she? Given that she's married to Prince Harry, whatever you think about her. Uh, now, her first guest was Serena Williams. I don't know why it had to have 29 people. That was probably Serena and Megan's entourage between them, is it? And But Serena and what do they talk? Because it's the whole thing of a podcast is you sit like I'm doing now and you're just sort of chatting informally and stuff. Would they be able to abandon the formality? I think they probably would. And after probably about 40 minutes into it, she's probably going... I fucking hate the Queen. I mean, she's... People go, oh, she's marvellous, what she's done for this country. You don't see her in the morning. She's a fucking family. I don't know why. She doesn't have to do so much as boil an egg. She's got a bloody 15 people to do that for her. What do you think? Oh, I know, Megan. Oh, Christ. And I'll tell you who makes me sick, Maria Sharapova. Oh, yeah. She reminds me of the Queen, stuck-up cow. I wonder if it's like that. What the fuck is going on? Now, as anybody knows who has ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on, you need a breadth of opinion across the generations. 
And that's why, uh, 26 and a bit years ago, I bred someone so that they could help us out. Now, it was a little bit more difficult than normal this week because uh, the person I bred was at Leeds Festival, Reading Festival, somewhere else, according to his Twitter timeline, did a bottle of vodka in and various other things. And uh, I've been sat in, in my car waiting for him this morning to pop on. To, like, anyway, are you there? Yeah, yeah. All oh, right, hello. And, <laughs> and I've now got to go in seven minutes because <laughs> I've got I'm going with Shappy to a festival she's doing. Right. So, uh, all right. So, here's the first question: How are your uh, what I've heard a cricket commentator referred to as midshipmen's this week when Johnny Bairstow got the cricket ball in uh, such a place? It's all good. It was okay. Had a lovely time at Reading and Leeds. Okay. All right. That's good. And uh, uh, was it chaotic? Was it fun? Was you, did it? Well, uh, yesterday I had to do two sets. So I had to open the show, uh, which was like everyone who worked at the comedy tent was lovely. But like the right. people who work at the festival, were, uh, like some of them are kind of useless. Like, yes. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. And this is, this is going to sound very, um, this is going to sound very devery. But they didn't tell me what okay. time I was meant to be picked up from the stations and stuff. That's not that deep. I thought you were going to say, I demanded a swan in the dressing well, room. Well, I kind of got to that point where I was just <laughs> I was just like, oh, nobody's texted me when they're going to pick me up. Nobody's texted me when they're going to do anything. Like, I don't know when I'm on. Uh, but then, so I had to go on. Uh, I was the first act on and I just had to do, I had to do half hour and it wasn't fun. And then I was sort of sat around backstage and they were like, listen, we need to we need to stall for fifteen minutes before Russell Howard goes on. So would you be able to go on and do another fifteen minutes? And then I, I was like, I, I was like, yeah. And then they were like, we'll give you some more money. And I was like, can I get a bottle of vodka? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a bottle. Of, like that was my negotiation fees. I just, I'll just do it for a oh, bottle of vodka. God, what an agent you are! You're like Barry Hearn. <laughs> oh, I did an extra fifteen minutes in front of a thousand people while they were. To put back, uh, yeah, I've done all right. I come out of a bottle of vodka. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. So then uh, I was drinking that, and I was. Oh, you're like Don King. He was the same with Muhammad Ali. <laughs> all right, I'll tell you what. If you want him to, if you want the fight with Frazier to go ahead, then I've got two bottles of Peroni. <laughs> otherwise, it doesn't happen. Yeah, that was pretty much what my negotiation skills was. And then I I did that. I watched Russell Howard, who was just brilliant. Uh, Marcus Brigstock as well was on flying form. And then uh, I, I, Excellent. I, I sort of went around the festival after having a bit of a drink. And he's, uh, I was, I was stood there with my girlfriend and these teenagers came up to us and just started, but like, they liked my set and they were trying to give me MDMA. I was like, oh, no, 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 no I'm all right. And uh, my girlfriend was like, Elliot, if you do MDMA with teenagers, I'm going. Like that is, I'm, yeah. I'm going Good. home. That, that's not happening. So I was like, so I was like, oh, okay. Did you well, do the MDMA with the teenagers? No, I, I just said I ended up just going, going back. Like, this is a sign of my age. I ended up just going back to London and going for a nice Turkish meal. Brilliant. I that is, thank God for that. <laughs> right now, there's something else happened this week which I keeps going on in my mind. So there was a leak in the house. Yeah. So I rang a plumber. Now, I don't come out well out of this story. I think you come out better out of this story. I don't think anyone we'll comes out think. well. Right. Well, one person that certainly doesn't come out of it well is the bloke who come round. <laughs> it was quite a to-do. 
in the kitchen. So he comes around. Now, tell me if I've got anything wrong here. He comes. I just rang someone. I thought I was a leak. I just ring someone. Looked on the internet. Plumber. Rang a bloke. He went, hey, I'll come round. And he come round. Oh, I need a coffee. So I made him a coffee. He said, it's hot, isn't it? I said, it is hot. He said, I need to look at the boiler. I said, I don't know. Why do I want to look at the boiler? The leak's upstairs. And he went, all oh, right. And then he went down and he come back and he said, I need a broom. There's cobwebs. I said, all right. He went down with the broom, come back up. He said, you'll get an email from the company. And then the email come and it said, this job will cost you £379 an hour plus £149 call-out charge. He went, yeah, I'm not going to do long. It's going to take, it's going to be a big job. So I thought, well, if you're here all day, that's not going to be about three grand. And I said to him, mate, with these rates, are you a Premier League footballer? And he didn't like that. Anyway, you take the story up from there because then it was your story. Well, he uh, he he <laughs> kept coming up with these prices for things, and I kept going. I was like making him a coffee and stuff, and going, "Well, w- w- like he." I was like, "This doesn't make any sense." He's like, "Oh yeah, but it's for the materials and stuff." And I went, "But you just said you don't know what the job is, so how would how do you know what material was to use?" I was just like, I wasn't like being antagonistic. I was just asking questions and then he went away to make a phone call and i was like what this everything about it wasn't like he came in and went here's the thing obviously he has to check the boiler all right but he should be going here's why i've got to check the boiler here's why i've got to do this because we i was going to him like we're not plumbers so you need to explain like what it is you're doing like you can't just come. Yes, in. I felt at that point that he was going to go. Yeah, well, I'm not a plumber either, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then he ended up. I've got a B tech in nail care. He ended up. He ended up getting a bit shirty in the kitchen. Um, well, didn't he say? What, what did he say to you when he said? Didn't he say the house is falling? down? He was like, "Your fucking house is falling down." He was getting a bit like that, and then he went. He went like, "I'm not." He was like, "You know, mate, I'm like Gordon Ramsay. I'll just tell it how it is," which I think is like to compare to compare yourself. To, to, for the people of London Gas Plumbing to compare themselves to one of the world, the most renowned chefs in the world. But so it ended up getting a bit shirty in the kitchen and nearly kicking off. But then I looked up the reviews and I've got very him here. Shirty. Uh, after, I'll say a bit shirty should be very shirty. He was, it, the, the two of you were squaring up like a couple of bloody uh, fucking UFC people. Yeah, he, he was. He Khabib was, or something. He, he tried to, yeah, it, it got a bit, it got a bit, you know, Larry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> See, people who are used to fighting, that's what, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, there was a little bit of a thing. And then you find out that there was like eight people sent to hospital. <laughs> it was, the two of you were sort of staring at each other like bloody, I don't know, like Tyson Fury and Wilder or something. Just stood there nose to nose, Yeah, he, as I recall. Yeah, he he backed down pretty sharpish. <laughs> uh, uh, when, I, when I put my phone and my keys on the table and went, if you want, we can take this outside. And then... Yes. And then, uh, yeah, no, that, 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 well, that, that's what annoyed me because then he started playing the like, um, moral high ground card, which I thought you can't play the moral high ground card after you've just tried to uh, extort a 62 year old man out of 500 quid an hour. That, that, that there. Oh, no, don't make out that I'm that, that, that makes it worse. How 
dare you try and rob the elderly? Oh, this poor old man. <laughs> and you went and got all the cash in his teapot because he doesn't understand how to have a well, bank account. Well, I, I think he should have robbed you after I looked up the company. <laughs> I'm now actually on his side. Because uh, you can look up the reviews for London. Right, I'll tell you what, Elliot, yeah. Elliot, I want you to do something. I want you to finish this story, but you have to do it on your own because I've got to take Shappy to oh, Kettering. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just finish it. I'll just finish right. it for the listeners. And if they if they yeah. want to, <laughs> they can go. They can go and look up London Gas Plumbing and and look at the. <laughs> Tell them about the reviews. Tell them about the reviews. In all of the reviews, right. <laughs> one of the reviews is a woman named Polina Slimakova, and it's so long and basically details blackmail and extortion from the company. <laughs> Uh, uh, because she's just moved there from Ukraine, and it, it, it is it is literally every review is like a harrowing account of of someone being robbed by this company. I don't know how you found them and got them into the. <laughs> I don't know how how you how these people ended up in our house. Like it is all. I I think we deserve to be robbed by them, but yeah, if you want to go look up the reviews, like each review is absolutely magnificent. In that every like just even if I read the beginning of this one, charged us two hundred forty nine pound for a call out on a Sunday, and almost immediately proceeded to say that we'd receive an email very soon that we just need to say yes to before they could proceed. Oh, then there's there's ones that they've just made where they've just put five stars for themselves. Absolute scammers, absolute scam. I ended up paying fourteen hundred quid for the replacement of two taps. So, uh, yeah, if you want to hear more about this, I'll be I'll be hosting BTEC Philosophers this week where my co-host won't be leaving early because he has to drive someone to a festival. There'll be a level of professionalism within it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please rate it. And if you could be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, you are on a bounce to definitely write a review. If there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every message that is sent. If you'd like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2 a month, uh, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Nick Revel and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Nick Revel. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Downing. Produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs> <laughs>